So if you could be here around nine, that would be great. Okay. Well, listen here. Hello, and welcome to 90 Day Fiance Okay. I'm Mr. O, and today, Miss H and I will be discussing season four, episode seven of The Other Way. In this episode, Nicole and Mahmoud's constant fight escalates, Debbie gets to ride a camel, Chris and Jamie go glamping, Gabe tells Isabel's parents that he is trans, Jen gets her family's opinion on Rishi's situation, and Danielle moves to the DR for good. If you also watch Love After Lockup, you should listen to our other channel, Love After Lockup UK, where we're covering the new season of Life After Lockup. All right, thanks for listening. Stay safe and enjoy. Mr. O. Hello, Miss H. How are you today? I'm getting there. I'm getting there. This this week is going to be crazy, uh, but then, you know, next week is going to be better because it's spring break. But yes, crazy break. for the both of us. Where that's why we're recording it Sunday night right after the show. Like, right, oof. right. We usually don't do that, but we're both going to be super busy tomorrow and we wanted to get this done so that way it didn't get put off and disappoint yes. anyone. <laughs> right. Disappoint any of the people that right. listen. Yeah. So uh, speaking of disappointment, let's Ugh. get started with our longest segment. Our longest, I don't want to say most boring, but most repetitive segment. Yeah. Uh, it seems like it progresses slightly, but they do that thing with the five hours earlier. So uh-huh. Uh-huh. we start off with Nicole storming off and Mahmood is following her, asking her, what did he do? She tells him to leave her alone, and he says he's done. So we get the five hours earlier. Things seem to be good between them because they've called a truce and said that they are not going to talk about their problems. They've decided to have a better day. Mahmoud says that he will teach her to pray, and Nicole seems open because she thinks maybe that's what she needs. She thinks prayer may be part of the answer. Mahmoud is teaching Nicole voodoo, which is washing before prayer. Mahmoud and his mom then show her how to put on a hijab. Mahmoud says that forcing her to do things may not have worked, like telling her what to wear. So he's trying to uh, approach things differently, this time with love. Nicole hears Mahmoud pray, and she thinks his voice is beautiful, and she is reminded that she loves him. Mahmoud then bows and explains what he is saying as he keeps repeating that he loves her. He apologizes for not being softer about teaching her religion. Mahmoud commits to showing her a little more every day. Nicole says it's really hot and suggests that maybe they go swimming. Nicole then teases and asks if she can wear a bikini, and Mahmoud thinks she's being serious, but then Nicole laughs to kind of make it, you know, this is a joke. She brings out her bathing suit, which is a burkini, and asks if she's supposed to wear anything underneath it. And for reasons unknown to Nicole, Mahmoud gets annoyed at the question and walks off. Nicole follows him and asks if he's mad. He tells her no and to get ready, and things are tense. Nicole is frustrated because she thinks he's mad. She thinks he resents her for being American, but also feels like he chose her, so it's kind of his problem. Mahmoud says that he sensed that Nicole was mad and he didn't want to fight about the swimsuit. Mahmoud doesn't want to do something that will cause him to fight more, so he suggests that maybe they skip swimming, but Nicole wants to go. She just feels silly in that swimsuit. They both say that the other person is mad, even though they are trying. Nicole realized what dressing modestly really meant after seeing her swimsuit. She said the first time she went swimming in the Red Sea, she was jealous of the tourists and the suits that they got to wear. She's not used to this new life and wearing the suit gives her anxiety. Nicole wears the burkini, looking miserable, but says that she will refuse to wear the hijab part of the suit. She walks out and Mahmoud is smiling and he encourages her, saying that she looks cute and amazing. He thanks her and acknowledges how, you know, dressing in the swimsuit is not easy. Nicole jokes that he can borrow hers. They make thinly veiled, passive-aggressive jokes, but (laughs) Mahmoud is trying to compliment her strength. Nicole points out that they don't compromise, and Mahmoud said he is trying, but he's already compromised a lot. He says he will do more because he loves her. He tells us he doesn't know how to change who he is to make her happy. Mahmoud kind of pushes Nicole into the pool, and she gets annoyed that Mahmoud gets to take off his shirt. 
Nicole says that they are happiest when they're not criticizing or fighting. Speaking of, they play fight in the water and seem to be having fun. When the cameras weren't rolling, Nicole claims that Mahmoud said something passive-aggressive and Nicole had had enough, so she storms off. Mahmoud goes after her because he doesn't know what he did or said. Nicole says that she's tired of him picking on her. Mahmoud tries to get her to go back to the house and he grabs her arm and she tries to get out of his grip by kind of being aggressive and looking like he, she pushed him and things are tense. Mahmoud finally lets her go and tells us that an Egyptian wife would never do that. Mahmoud thinks that Nicole doesn't feel like his wife. He gives her space, but then follows her to a cafe and says that she can either go home with him so they can talk or she can choose divorce. Nicole doesn't commit to a choice, but also refuses to go home with him. Nicole says she's not answering to anyone. So Mahmoud leaves and then he texts her one last time to tell her if she doesn't get into the Uber, they will be divorced. All right. So you can kind of tell that there is certainly miscommunication on their part of Mm -hmm. how what they think they are saying to the other person and how it's actually perceived as aggressive, critical, angry. And it just doesn't seem to be lining up like what they think that they're saying or doing and how the other person is interpreting. Who do you think is the worst offender of this? Uh, The worst offender, I think... I would say the worst offender in terms of miscommunication is probably Mahmoud. Okay. Um, because I do think he says a lot of things that she interprets as passive aggressive mm-hmm. digs at her. Yeah. And like, and he just never, I don't know if he's cognizant of he's, that he's doing it or if he's doing it on purpose to like throw her off balance, like in an abusive type of way. But I think that's what kind of started this. And it's like, he, you know, it's just those kind of things that he, he always feels like he kills the the mood, right? Mm-hmm. Like he, he, it'll be like, oh wow, this prayer was really nice and it was great. And he goes, yeah. So hopefully, like you know, whatever, you know, hopefully next time you'll just listen to do what I say. And it's like, well, why did you? Why did you add that to it? Like, why right. did you add the little snide comment about how, like, well, if you just always did this, it would be fine. And I think he does that a lot. Like, I think their age differences show up quite a bit here. Right. I kind of forget there there is an age difference because it's like he's like an old man almost. Like I feel like right. that's how he acts. Well, I mean, he, he he to me it sounds like he acts in what he wants as someone you associate with the old. Like I want my woman to be covered up and I want her to be the woman of the relationship. I'm the man of the relationship and she should listen to it. Like those type of things, at least in the US, we consider we consider like old fashioned, right? And so right. you think of an old sure. man. But he acts like Every 24-year-old I, I think I've ever seen in a relationship, like with the with the weird negging and the, I don't know what I did wrong. What did you, I didn't even say anything. What am I doing? Like that kind of stuff. And the way he, I mean, he really, really got me with the way, like she said, leave me alone, leave me alone, leave me alone. He wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Right? Now, do I think she was overreacting when she was like, leave me alone and like had a big like dramatic scene out in the street? Yeah. Like, yeah. I, and so I think it's really hard to tell who is in the the wrong for the fight, at least, when um, without hearing what it was that set her off, right? Yeah, it was it was very hard. But at the same time, it's like based on everything that we had kind of seen uh, leading up to this fight, it was like, oh yeah, you kind of it's the continuation of their entire communication so far, right? Right, where. It, and it is funny. I think he is somewhat aware that he says things that come off a certain way. And I think he's trying to compensate by telling her he loves her every two seconds. Yes. You know, like, oh, maybe yeah, yeah. it won't come off that way if I just tell her I love her. And it's just like, oh, my gosh, the amount of times that he says he loves her, he must be somewhat aware that she is interpreting his communication like – away so he's like trying to make up for it right but i mean you see the miscommunication on her side like she tried Mm. to make a joke we saw her laugh oh right for the first time ever right and he did not get it at all like even a little bit he was like why would you say he was starting to get mad again because she mentioned a bikini on the beach and it was like she was like well obviously i'm not gonna wear a bikini like 
Yeah, and then, I don't know, I was kind of, like, thrown off by, I thought her question was, like, completely innocent, you know, like, uh, do I wear something underneath this? Yeah, you know? that seemed totally, yeah, that seemed totally normal. And then all normal. of a sudden he, like, gets mad, but then he claims, like, I wasn't mad, I thought she was mad, and that's why she asked that, and so that's why I had to leave, and it's like, that makes no sense. Yeah, it didn't make any sense. Because he I thought, mad. I thought he left to ask his mom where he that's was like. That's what I thought. Like, and, but apparently he left because he's like, oh, you're going to like, you're not going to take this seriously. And you're going to ask about underwear. Okay, fine. Yeah. Like, yeah. That just seemed very odd to me. And I took it the same way. Like, <laughs> oh, why are know, you I getting just, like all kinds of upset over this? I just at the end. So I'm just a person who doesn't chase people. Right. So if somebody says, that's it. I'm leaving. I let him go. Yeah. And so like the idea of like putting my – and yes, was she overreacting and probably shouldn't have ran out into the street to go home in a strange city that she doesn't uh, – clearly doesn't know how to navigate. Right. Yeah, I'd be worried about her in that, right? But like, oh my god. I couldn't imagine trying to walk away from someone and have them keep coming up and grabbing your arm. And then you right. twist out of them and they come up and they grab your arm again. I'm like, oh my god. That sounds – that just seems infuriating. Yeah. Yeah, just that whole situation. Um, I mean, it doesn't surprise me, like, none of it. I was a little oh, no, surprised that the end product, because it seems that Mahmood wouldn't want to get divorced, just because are they even really allowed to get divorced? Well, I mean, well, appar- like, apparently his mom's divorced. Like, his mom divorced his dad. Oh, and that's why he was oh, like, right, had his right. uncle. But they're not living in the same the home. But I thought they were still married, just not living in the same home. Oh, possibly. I thought that I thought they had I thought he had said the word divorce. But like I also don't know if he seriously means that because he's done that. I could totally see him like totally tomorrow being like, Hey baby, I love you, baby. What's wrong, baby? Why are yeah, we why are you like mad? Acting like like nothing's wrong. Exactly. Like the very mm. next day. Because that's what she had last time. She, you know, spent the entire episode packing. Because he said, oh, maybe you should I, I, you should leave. Just get out of here. You should leave. And then he, she started to and he's like, where are you going? Why would you leave? Like, and I think next episode she could totally be like, well, I guess we're divorced now. And he's like, what are you talking about? I just said those words. Those are just words. Right. Like, we're not divorced. That's still definitely boy who cried wolf kind of situation. Because, yeah, I feel like it's just and when people do stuff like that, say things like that, especially intense moments, to me, it just seems like a manipulation tactic, right? A hundred percent. He's just trying to get sure. her to go home and do what he wants. Yeah, I'm going to raise the stakes to as high as possible just so right. he'll do what I want. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm going to make it so like you have to choose this because what what other choice is there but divorce? And clearly he's assuming she doesn't want that. So, you know, obviously she's going to pick the thing that he wants her to pick. Mm-hmm. Which is just get in the car. Just get in the car. He just wants whatever he can to get his short of thing. It just, I mean, it's just getting really old because they've literally just been having the same fight the entire time. Yeah. Yeah. Super frustrated. I'm frustrated by this. It's just like, when is this done? Right. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. I mean, he seemed totally mostly upset that she was like disagreeing with him and sticking up and pushing him. In public, right? Yes. And it was like, oh my gosh, what were other that's people That's why think? he wants to go home, yeah. Right. So, which, that's my segue to somebody who maybe doesn't care about what happens in public as much, and that's Debbie and Osama. Oh, God. So, it is it is the next day after Debbie found out that Osama expects her to go back to the U.S. in a month or two, and she's still reeling from the news. So, Osama knocks on her door and invites her out to their, like, the, the central area to sit and talk about last night. As she fans herself off with a giant fan made of peacock feathers. My God, that was so extra. Yes, very. I mean, but it was very her. That, that's like, yeah. if I didn't describe, what's Debbie like? And I was like, she has a giant fan of peacock feathers that she just waves in front of her face the entire episode. And I was like, yes, okay. I know who you're talking about. So he blames the whole thing from last night on translation and miscommunication issues. Since she had said something about how you know, she would have to go back to the U.S. to take care of her business. He claims he understood her intentions and didn't misunderstood her intentions, that she was not moving to Morocco permanently. But you know, she's not buying it and she starts getting emotional, especially when she points out that when she said she wouldn't have come to Morocco if she knew she wanted to go back, he was like, yeah, that's why I didn't tell you, 
right? And that didn't sound like a translation error. That sounds like you knew what it, what it was in line. Oh, about yeah, it. for sure. I think it's just some weird cover. Yeah, because you realize sure. you got in trouble. No, I agree with her. Yeah. So she says that she does res- want to respect the family traditions and traditions of Morocco, but at this point, she you know needs help finding out who if this Osama really is who she thought she uh, who she thought he was. So they agree that she'll stay and that she'll take things slow until he can earn her trust again. So in an interview, she said uh, she basically says she didn't just come here to bail so soon. So she's willing to give him a little bit of grace and to give him another try. So now that all that's settled, they take a walk to the beach. She says this is exactly what they need for, you know, the hitting the reset on this relationship. And before long, a camel just comes walking down the beach, obviously with handlers and stuff. It's like a camp, like, hey, anybody want to ride the camel? Pay some money. And Debbie is like, a oh, camel. Ooh. <laughs> and she wants to get up and pet him. And she talks to Miss, she calls him Mr. Camel. Uh, and then they eventually they kneel him down and Debbie has... She really wants to ride the camel, but she's not sure she can get onto the camel, but she has determination. So she hops up on the camel, um, and then Osama gets up on the camel too, and the whole time she's just like screaming in fear, half fear, half delight, just the whole time was just like, whoa, I'm on a camel, (laughs) right? Very loud, very animated. And Osama says that he actually loves how crazy she's acting. Um... She says the whole thing, the whole like saddle part was way more unstable than riding a horse, but she really got a kick out of it. So she seems, it really seemed to be a bonding experience between the two of them, especially because we actually do get a, this is what I love about you type of thing from Osama about how she has like lower inhibitions. And it's just like, she seems like she lets her inner child out all the time. And she kind of is a little bit worried that he's going to be embarrassed uh, you know, not just because of the age difference, but because of, you know, the way she was acting got a lot of looks. <laughs> but he says, no, when he's with her, when he's with her, all he can see is nothing but her. And he doesn't care about the judgment of other people. So that kind of really reminds her why she came all this way for this guy. But she still says she has her eyes open, um, you know, for his deceit or whatever. So, um, yeah, I guess we'll start with that. You kind of already got into it. You... Didn't buy this translation error excuse this time, huh? No, I definitely didn't because, you know, it's like he that's why I hated him. Just like the smugness of how he said, well, if I had told you, then you wouldn't have come. It's like, yeah, so, you know, and (laughs) it's like only after you are done with that conversation, kind of have time to collect yourself. Think about a better lie than the truth, um, you know, that will go over better. Like now all of a sudden you're going to revise your story. It's like, no. And yeah. I also can't forget that smug ass look on his face when he said it last time. Yeah, he was very smug last time. He was a little mm. more um, contrite this time about like, yes. oh, I just I, I I had thought that you said you were going back for the business. I, 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 I apologize. And, and to, to her credit, she was kind of like. She was pretty much more or less like, yeah, it sounds like bullshit. I don't think that's what it was. Yeah, which I appreciate that at least she's not like, oh, well, I love him, so I'm going to believe whatever he says. Yeah. That fits my narrative. Right. Well, they always – we see that all the time. I'm not sure they're telling the truth. What they said makes no sense. But I love him, so – I guess I have no him. choice yeah, but to know, trust him. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, exactly. So I'm like, oh, good for you, Debbie. You know, it does make me feel like maybe her kids were a little too hard on her. Like she can really take care of herself. She's not going to be super blinded by this guy and not just try to. Because, you know, I feel like a lot of times a lot of these people, especially in these kind of extreme situations like this, it's like they are so like intent on not looking stupid in front of their friends and family that they don't want to be wrong that it's like they persist in these relationships like even though they probably know better at some point just so their friends can't be like i told you so right like Mm -hmm. i knew this exactly was gonna happen and you're like okay well i'm just gonna stick it out yeah yeah you're not right they can't be right about that for sure yeah for sure yeah but then we had the camel thing oh gosh (laughs) 
I mean, I, I'm 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 glad Osama got a kick out of it because yes. I would have been I, I I would not have been like super excited about that somebody acting like that on the camera. Well, you know what I think is interesting about them as a couple. It's like you know they're both each other's brand of weird. Yeah. And it yeah. and it works, and so it's kind of like great, you know, like you can act a fool, and someone can love you for it, and actually, not even just like sit there and tolerate it, like actually, like be like, yeah, I like yeah. that about you. So yes, I mean, and he was, he was very much like, yeah, this is this is what this is what attracted me to this woman. Yeah, is this kind of behavior, this kind of just out there, you know, letting it all hang out, just no, you know, no reservations about just being herself. Go ahead. Right. And so I like I appreciate that, you know, you're you're each other's brand of weird that you have found each other. Like to me, it's like, you know, a couple like that. Who is anyone like upset about that they're together? You know, it's like. Right. Right. It's not like there's there, kids. No it's, one's it's a trying very to low date stakes. either one of them, really. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, just they're fine. Yeah, it's not like there's a bunch of other people lining up to date Debbie and they're like, really? That guy? Yeah. We or like, vice versa, right? Yeah, yeah, right, right. I think I was talking with one of my girlfriends about this and I was saying something about how, you know, I was like, when we finally met Osama, it, it kind of made sense to me, like, why this guy might still be single. And they're like, yeah, he's a weird looking dude. Now I was just like, yeah. He's a weird acting dude, too. Like, he's not just, he, he he's not just weird in that, like, I mean, he has the weird fedora that he wears all the time, like yeah. go, like that. Oh, no. He's weird by anyone's standards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, my friend was pointing out, like, he has, like, he's cro- lazy eye. He's got, uh, you know, like, crazy teeth. Well, and then and then he does the thing. He, like, he's going to – he he's a guy, if you match with him on a dating app, not that he would use dating apps necessarily, he's going to be like – I loved your eyes so much that I wrote you a poem about your eyes. And most like 99% of people are going to be like, unmatch, poem right. about my eyes, get it weird, get it out of here. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I think you could certainly fi- find him attractive to some people, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I do think physically everybody's attractive to somebody. Right. I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. But – I mean, he's already got the hurdle of, you know, maybe not being the most uh, what traditionally attractive person. But yes, you're right. On top of all that, stone cold weirdo, mm-hmm. right? It just artsy type and just the kind of person that the average person doesn't necessarily relate to. Yes, that's true. All right. Uh, so let's move on to maybe someone who's a little bit more conventionally attractive, uh, although we don't see any of the drama from that this week. Uh, today is the last day on Jen's visa, and she's going back to the U.S. Jen is worried because they were seeming to make progress, her and Rishi, in their relationship. And now she doesn't know when she'll be able to come back. Rishi stops by her apartment and he tells her that she looks beautiful and Jen wants some reassurance that they will be committed to this relationship even though she's leaving. Rishi says that they will connect every day no matter what time. They are worried about how long it will take to get another visa. Rishi wants her back in India as soon as possible. They're unsure when they will see each other again in person and they don't want to lose each other. As Jen has her stuff and they're leaving for the airport, Rishi gets down on one knee in the middle of the street and proposes to Jen with the ring. Jen is excited and says yes. Rishi jokes that she cannot lose this ring and she assures him that she won't. So if you recall, Rishi got her a ring earlier and she lost it. Rishi wants to reassure Jen that he is committed to their future, which is why he did this. Jen is happy, but a little worried that someone will prevent her from being with Rishi because there have just been so many roadblocks so far. Jen is willing to put up the good fight for their relationship. So fast forward, Jen is back in Oklahoma and her sister-in-law, Tara, comes to pick her up. Jen is embarrassed about getting the visa wrong. Tara asks her about sex, and Jen says that she's the one who insisted that they wait until they're married now. When Jen arrives home, she's having a family dinner with her brother, her uh, mom, and her sister-in-law, where Jen shows off her ring and says that her and Rishi are re-engaged. 
Her brother asks about the family, and Jen tells them that Rishi's parents are trying to arrange a marriage and how she was introduced as just a friend. Jen says that he didn't tell his parents because he was afraid to lose her. Her brother thinks that Rishi doesn't sound committed and that reproposing sounds like a stalling tactic. Jen says that there is progress because Rishi promised that they wouldn't have to live in the family home when they got married. Jen's mom doesn't think that Rishi will break away from family traditions. Jen doesn't want to throw the relationship away because the love is there, but there is nothing more that she can do at this point. Her brother voices concern of her getting her heart broken. All right. So what do you think about the brother's theory on this whole thing? Do you think that this is just a stall tactic from Rishi? Um, or do you think that this is him genuinely wanting to show that he is committed to this relationship? Because it seems like the first ring was kind of like just a regular like silver band or something like this. Right. This is a this is a much better upgrade. Mm. Right. It had a stone in. I couldn't tell if it was a diamond or something else. You just never know. But yeah, an I mean, upgrade I, of some kind. Yeah, I think. I think it's more of like, this is what I can do. We're, we're out of time. She's going back. What can mm. I do? To reassure in this time, not knowing when she's going to be able to come back. Yeah. Right. To to give her as much reassurance as I can that I'm still invested in this relationship. And I think – I do think that's what it was because I think that, A, the, the brother – Jen's brother was just cynical as hell from the beginning, right? Yeah. About, yeah. The, whole, about the whole situation. But B, it is definitely one of those things that if I took out what we saw on the show and I just heard Jen describe it. It does sound really sketchy as hell, right? Yeah. Like this guy you're engaged. Oh, you're engaged. Did you meet his family? Yeah, he introduced me as a friend. Hmm. Yeah. Did you set a wedding date? No, but he like proposed to me. It's like, aren't you already engaged? Yeah. And I was like, this so, time there was a better ring. Yeah. So nothing's changed. Oh, and she's no, like, no, well, no. he said he would might not live with his family. When we do maybe yeah. eventually get married and like, and like it's the way she explains it is like, this doesn't sound like a good trip, Jen. No. I don't know why you're so hopeful about this. You're right. But I mean, what else can he do but make promises for the future? And what is it? But that's like the thing is they they have to like talk about the future instead of the present because of the visa situation. So right. what can he really do in the present but to show her he's committed by promising that they will connect every day. So we'll see if he follows through on that and then give her a ring. And I mean, quite honestly, given their situation, like what else can this man really do? I mean, nothing right. short of, okay, here's what he could do now that I think about it. Mm -hmm. He could tell his parents, right? And I right. think that would go a long way in showing her that he really is committed to this relationship. I And I don't even think her, her brother or her, and the family. Like if he if she was like introduced as the fiance to the parents and there was no more arrangements of marriage, I think the family would feel more like this is real and it's not just one man that, you know, making a promise. But there's like his community. Right. Right. Is right. Like because I also knows. feel like they also feel like he might be making a promise that he can't sure. necessarily keep. That's not even his promise to keep if there's going to be arranged marriages involved, yeah. right? Yeah. That's literally the definition of arranged marriage is you don't necessarily make make you don't get to necessarily make decisions about the marriage. Right. Um yeah. And and so that 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 does seem like it would help, but it it certainly was one of I was just like, wow, this does sound awful and like right. not good at all. Um in terms of how how she how she described it. But I, I agree with you. I don't know what else there really is for him to do, especially because like if he had had a longer amount of time, mm -hmm. right, to to do that, but then he could have, you know, made more arrangements and done it. But it was kind of like I got to go back in a couple of days, and it's like, well, I only have a couple of days to do to scrounge something together, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, in that time, you're right. He could have he could have told his parents. Yeah, definitely. All right, so let's go to speaking of telling parents. Let's talk about Gabe and Israel. Israel, Isabel. <laughs> Gabe is cold in in, the, in his room at, his, at her parents' house. He doesn't like being alone in a room without Isabel, but also thinks it would kind of feel weird sharing a room in her parents' house, or at least maybe doing it in her parents' house. But yeah. um, 
whatever. Anyway, she, Isabel kind of feels the same way, but they got to go by her father's rules, his rules, his house. You know how that goes. So they talk about the dinner they had and Gabe feels bad that they're just like so nice to him when he knows he has this big secret that he's keeping. So the, his plan is to tell them tomorrow because he just can't stand keeping that secret any, more, any longer. He thinks waiting is just going to be bad for everybody. So he's worried about that their opinion of him is going to change and that's going to, you know, really hurt getting his blessing for the marriage. So Isabel tells him that she's nervous too and doesn't know how her dad is going to react, which is interesting because it's like he's definitely looking for reassurance. He's like, it's not going to be that bad, is it? Oh, and she's always like, oh, no, it very much could be that bad. Absolutely. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> so he doesn't know exactly what he's going to say to them yet in terms of the words he'll choose. And that frustrates Isabel because she kind of thinks he's not taking it as seriously as he should have because he hasn't even thought about what he's going to say. So – he asks her then if it kind of it comes down to him or her father, who would she choose? And her answer is pretty much like, well, it depends. Like, who said what to who? How did that go down? Uh, which is, again, not reassuring to Gabe because he said it made his heart sink because he thought that she would choose him no matter what. So the next day is a day for horseback riding and then also coming back to Is coming out to Isabel's family. So on the ride to the horse farm or wherever they talk about their previous experiences with horseback riding, um, which involved Gabe falling off of one. So everyone's very, you know, laughy and in a good mood. So the ride is fine and calm and pretty. That is until the both of them, both Isabel and Gabriel are pretty much having out of body experiences, like getting ready for this conversation. Uh so they go to lunch and order some coffee and then they try to get to it. So Gabe says that they have something important to say and then uses the app to translate for him. So he takes a deep breath and then uh, he says he doesn't want them to feel any different about them and doesn't want to be deceitful. Uh, then he tells them that then he comes out and just says that he was born a woman and has been a man for 10 years and that makes him trans. So the suspenseful music plays and the scene cuts out. We don't get to see the father's response. Mm -hmm. All right. So – what would you think? Let's like you're the, put yourself in the parents' position, and you know your 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 daughter's fiance is like, hey, there's something really important we have to tell you. I don't want to. I don't want it to make you feel. I don't want it you to feel differently about me than you do now. And I don't want to lie or be deceitful. Like, what would you think is coming next? Uh, oh, I don't know. I probably would think the worst. And to me, the worst would not be trans, right? The right. worst would be things like, um, you know, I have a violent criminal domestic abuse past, you know, yes, something that, that would, would be best. Something uh -huh. that would put my child in some kind of danger, I think, would be the worst case scenario. Right. Um, or, you know, kind of up there would be like you're taking my child away from me. So like, mm. uh, you know, we can't live here. I want to bring all the family to, you know, and we might not see you, you know, hardly ever. I think to me, like those situations, something that like directly affects the life of your child would be the thing that would be the worst. Now, in terms of, you know, something about me that I don't want you to think of me differently. I don't know if there is something that would make me think of someone differently other than, you know, something that's like got implications like, oh, like you like the criminal past or something like I would think of you differently. Like maybe I wouldn't trust you as much. Right. Yeah. I mean, I guess my 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 thought would be, I don't know, this the way I heard him phrase it, I was like, I thought it was going to be like, I've cheated on your daughter a bunch of times. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like that, but that, that's where it sounded like it was going to me or we're already, um, cause I guess they're not like technically engaged yet because right. he hasn't asked for the blessing or yeah. whatever, you know, but something like, and then of course, when you get to that, whenever anybody says, oh, we have a, we have a big thing to share. You're like, yeah. you're married. Oh no, you're not, you're pregnant. Yeah. Like those are the two things that you're going to think too. Right. Yeah. And so I don't know. I don't know. I feel like of all those things, like I, you know, have a documented, I'm a murderer. I have documented domestic right. abuse things. If that's what's going through my head, I'm definitely like, you're like, I'm trans. I'm like, oh, thank God. 
Cool. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, right. so yeah. I don't know. Is prefacing the uh, conversation better or worse then? Because yeah. to me, it's just like, just jump right into it, right? Because I th- feel like when people do beat around the bush, it gives the other person time to think about what their worst case scenario is, right? Mm-hmm. Which could be good and bad. It's like, oh, God, it's like all of a sudden their anxiety is super raised. But it could also be like what you said, like, can't be as bad as what someone else can think of. Yeah. Yeah. And it usually is, right? It usually is. We see that all the time. Like, I have a secret. And they're like, it's like, that's just your brain goes to yeah. places immediately, right? Right. Yeah. But I mean, I don't, I, I guess we'll find out. And this is, and that's kind of the annoying part. This is a central question of their entire story. Their right. entire season hinges on how does this man react to this news? Yeah. And like, of course, they leave us hanging. And I'm like, my guess is we don't even see them again next episode, right? It'll just be like more and more weeks of this. Uh, in the preview, I don't know if you stuck around. Oh, I guess it did show. Up, yeah, show they the did show. Yeah. And quite honestly, <laughs> the dad's reaction seemed exactly the same the whole time. Now, I'm not saying that he seemed like super excited, but he didn't look super angry. And you know that even if he flashed some kind of nick, they would have cut the no, shit out of that to make it look sure. a certain way, right? For sure. And for if sure. that's all you mustered was this look of like, oh, you know, <laughs> like um, that's if that's the worst of your reaction, like, oh, because that's what it kind of looked like. It looked like he was like not disappointed, but somewhere in the ballpark of disappointed, like, oh, all right. Yeah, I mean, it just it just it, it certainly seemed like news that he would be like that. If you gave me 50 guesses to guess what you were going to say, yeah. that would not have been one of them. Right. <laughs> and the and like we said about cutting the shit out of it, like that look of disappointment could have been about something completely different. And it was like sure. that was the most negative facial expression he had the entire, uh, you know, segment of them filming. And so that's what they're going to, you know, focus on as potentially his reaction. So if that's the worst of it, I think they're good. Yeah. 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 Okay, let's move on to Chris and Jamie. So uh, Jamie brings Chris some breakfast in bed, including a tea and a a buñuela. Buñuelo. My Spanish is terrible. Anyways, Chris (laughs) tells Jamie that yesterday was her absolute worst, and she appreciates Jamie taking care of her. She feels a lot better today. Jamie then asks about the court date, and Chris tells her that now she doesn't have to go. They are excited because it's their anniversary, so they're going to go glamping in these clear bubbles where they can see the stars at night. Jamie has brought Chris a neck brace to help her during the travel. They pack up the dog Zoe and head out. Chris had called ahead to get rose petals and balloons in their bubble because she wanted to plan a more formal proposal. Chris is worried that uh, Jamie will say no after seeing her health issues up close and personal. Chris then goes to find Jamie after spelling out marry me on the bed and rose petals. Jamie comes into the bubble, says yes, and cries as Chris gives her a ring. Jamie was originally confused because she thought they were already engaged. But Mm -hmm. once she realized Chris was just trying to make it formal, she got excited again. Later at dinner, Jamie is trying to teach Chris about traditional Colombian food, including blood sausage. Chris says that she's a picky eater and a lot of the things sound gross, but she plans on making it look like she's eating. Yeah. And Zoe, I'll also add, is pretty close by. So I don't know if Jamie's (laughs) planning on just like, you know, feeding the dog some of this. So Jamie tells her that she talked to the wedding planner and they start talking about the guest list. Jamie says her mom won't be there because she doesn't know Jamie is a lesbian, even though Jamie thinks that her mom suspects just based on social media. Jamie doesn't want to come out to her parents because she feels like she won't be accepted and her mom will probably tell her she's going to hell. Chris is sad for Jamie and worried that her mom will be devastated about not coming to the wedding. Chris tells Jamie that coming out to her mom was a lot easier than she thought it would be, so maybe she'll also have the same experience. But Jamie has no plans to tell her mom, and she's happy now. It's her moment, and she just wants to enjoy it. All right, so I don't know. What do you think, like, as a parent would be worse? Like, your child not inviting you to the wedding because, you know, you are uh, they're afraid of you know what you would think of who they were marrying or 
Would you like rather it be like they tell you about their lifestyle, even though you disagree with it? And I don't want to say in the context of uh, sexuality, because I feel like you'd be more open. And if I asked you that question, but well, maybe, for sure, for sure. Right. Like, would you rather your if you ask me, like, would you rather you have your find out your daughter was a lesbian or have her not invite you to the wedding? I'm like, why do I care if she's a lesbian? Right. Because like, I know you wouldn't I, care. I, but maybe right. some kind of lifestyle thing that you would disagree with or maybe even a partner you would disagree with specifically. For sure. For sure. I mean, I definitely don't want to be the kind of parent that my daughter feels like or my children feel like they have to keep things from mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right that, that especially major parts of their life to the point where they'll get married without it because i was like well if i told you like i don't know i i don't want i don't want them to be that closed off to me i want that i want them to be more open than that so yes them not inviting me to the wedding because i disagree with the lifestyle would be more hurtful mm-hmm. than just doing something that i disagreed with because yeah. at the end of the day whether or not I agree with them, especially when you're Jamie. Jamie's an adult. Yes. Right? Um, she's an adult and she gets to make adult choices. Like, right. And I get to, as a, as her parent, I get to come to terms with that. Like that's right. what you get. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 I was definitely on Chris's side where feeling like, oh, wow, I really feel – I really feel for her that she feels like she can't – Tell her parents about this. Yeah. The other thing I think is kind of interesting, too, is if she just told her mom and her mom disagreed, like, how is the end result any different? The end result being her mom isn't coming to this wedding. Right. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It's like she, she still doesn't have. And she, and this time she didn't give her mom the chance to make the decision herself. Right. Right. She kind of pre-made that decision for her mom. She's already. Yeah, she's already jumped to the worst case scenario. Mm hmm. By not by not doing it, but I mean, I get, I definitely understand. I, I mean, I certainly understand being nervous about sharing things with with your parents, right? Yeah, sure. Um, and so I get where she's coming from in terms of like, oh, telling my mom just sounds terrifying. Yeah. Right. And so I, I get that, and I wish you, I kind of go, which it was more like, yeah, I'm just, I'm just too scared. I'm just too scared mm-hmm. to do it. Than to be like, well, I decided in the best interest of everyone. It's like, I don't know that it's in the best interest of, anyone, of anybody. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, Jamie says her uh, daughter is going to show up. So, I mean, at least they'll have someone there. But it's so confusing to me that this is still moving towards a wedding and i mean we've even seen in the preview that a wedding is going to be happening between them it just i know it just seems so weird because and it's not to say that these are a bad match because the thing with them is they just don't seem stable enough and and not stable Mm -hmm. in a way where they're volatile but stable in a way where it's like do you actually know the person you're marrying yeah i mean just the fact that you know, as annoyed as I was at Jamie being like, I'm actually a picky eater. And this mm-hmm. stuff is, especially because it was like chorizo. Yeah. Like, and she was like, oh, I don't know about this. And it's like, you don't know about chorizo? Like, yeah. what are you talking about? Right. But like the fact that Jamie didn't know she was a picky eater and yeah. put all these random like meats in front of her when you know she like is a probably mostly vegetarian because she can only stomach eating chicken nuggets or something, you know? Right, like, right. And so, like, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, do you even know each other? And another example is Chris doing this proposal that said, marry me. And Jamie was just confused because she, A, <laughs> couldn't read English. And B, was like, I thought we were already engaged. I yeah. don't understand what's going on here. Like, they don't they don't understand each other. Right, right. I mean, but then she got jewelry. So then that makes things better. Well, she understood that. Yeah, yeah she everybody, was like, oh, everybody, cool, jewelry. <laughs> everybody understands shiny, shiny, shiny rocks. Those are good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it'll be interesting because in the preview, we also see that Chris is, you know, lacking communication after they get married, too. And so it's like, let's fast forward to that part, because that's the part where Once again, and I feel like we bring this up every week, like I still want to know why Chris ghosted her in the first place. And I'm confused why Jamie is willing to marry this person without getting some of these questions answered, because these are big things that she's concerned about. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it it does seem like, yeah, they're just going to barrel forward this thing no matter what. Right. Right. So, yeah. 
All right. So going to people who are probably mistakenly already married, last couple <laughs> up is Danielle and Johan. So uh, Danielle is back in New York, and we heard she's been there for about a month because she needed to stay until the school year was over. So I guess maybe she came down for spring break or something the she first did. time. Yeah, she did. Um, and she's officially moving now. So she needs to be out of the apartment today or at the end of the day tomorrow. And she doesn't look like she's anywhere close to being done. Like nothing. It looks like she's not even halfway there. So she's looking forward to act, but she is looking forward to the next – in two days, she's going to be done with this move. So the next time we see her, she's in a hotel with 10 suitcases in her last night in New York. She says it's been the most stressful time in her life, and she's giving up her life passion, which is teaching, which is weird because she hasn't mentioned that before now. I, uh, she kind of did. She mentioned that I'm a teacher, but she, uh, but she's never been like – Oh, yeah. She's never mentioned that's her life passion. That she loves doing it. It's just her, her yeah, devoted DFA. So she talks a bit more about what she's giving up in New York to go be with her husband. So we hear – we see her get on the plane and talk about some of the things that came up last time she visited that she was nervous about. And she just keeps really laying it on thick about how much sacrifice she's making. So then we switch to Johan picking her up at the airport. So he says he's happy and nervous, just like her, because the last time she was here, they argued a lot. So he did manage to find an apartment, but he's not really confident that she's going to be like that. She's going to like it because she's really high maintenance. So I guess we'll see how it goes. So eventually she comes out with her trolley full of suitcases and jumps into his arms for a big hug. She has way more suitcases than can fit into the car he has. So the only option is to stack them on the roof with a strap. He did have a strap, I guess. Yeah. Um, so she is disappointed that he didn't have a better plan for carrying her luggage or for carrying the luggage that she didn't tell him about. Right. Like she specifically says, I didn't tell him I had 10 suitcases, but he should have known. <laughs> right. Um, so anyway, then it, anyway, um, after he ties all the luggage to the roof, they argue about who's going to drive. So Danielle thinks it's her stuff and she has more experience. So she should drive. She's been driving for 25 years, he said, but he thinks that he tied the suitcases up there and it's his country. And also he's the man, so he should drive. So eventually he wears her down and she wins just because she's tired. The whole, whole car trip back to their apartment, they argue. She doesn't like when he acts like he's her dad and he doesn't like not being obeyed, which I think just feeds into being dad. Yeah, I know. Right. When he said that, I was like, he's like, well, then just obey me. It's <laughs> like, isn't that what you do with dad? Yeah. So, um, well, I mean, the reason he says specifically says the reason he should be obeyed is because he's the one with the penis. God. So then she makes the same dumb joke everybody makes about thinking with your penis. But then she just isn't going to get into this macho type of dynamic of the relationship. She's like, if you wanted somebody who was going to listen to you because you had a penis, you should have married someone else. And then, so we kind of see where that's going to go. So this is another couple where it's like, I mean, we saw it with, with, with Nicole and Mahmoud a little bit more of a, a intense than this, but do these people ever not argue? Uh, I mean, they're either arguing or having sex. That's pretty much my, I think, their entire life. Yeah, I, I think it's different, though. Like, they, I would consider bicker, right? Okay. They bicker about a lot of meaningless shit. Um, and it's not to say that they don't fight about the big stuff, too, right? But it's like they're more likely to bicker about, like, who's going to drive? Did you stack the suitcases right? Like, why didn't you tell me about this? You know, it's like... And then not to say that they don't have big things that they fight about because it's primarily money, anything that mm -hmm. that's their thing. Right. They primarily fight about money, but they'll fight about like other little nitpicky things. I feel like Mahmoud and Nicole fight about the same damn thing. Every yes. is modesty. That is their biggest thing. Modesty. She is open to everything else. But when it comes to covering her hair and wearing, uh, you know, modest clothing, that is 100 percent. Well, I'll say 99 percent of what they argue about. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess I just. It's just Danielle sounds exhausting, like. Like, there is nothing he can do that's good enough. And he even says as much when he got the apartment, yeah. right? He was like, she saw pictures of it. We covered it with it beforehand. We did it. And he's like, I know she's going to get there and hate it and blame me. Like, he's like, he was like, I know how ready this is going to go down. Yeah. I'm going to be an idiot for picking this apartment. And there's a bunch of things that I did that was dumb. And 
Like that's that's going to be what happens. I don't think that that's like necessarily an American thing so much as it's a young person thing. Right. When you're young, it's like if you look at some of the living places of young people or you even think back of the places that you lived like right out of college, it's like you think about how ridiculous those places are. Right. And you're just like, I cannot believe I lived above a bar where it was, you know, pumping music until two in the morning, vibrating the floors. Then it was like a hundred square feet, you know, and we had to share a bathroom with like five other people. It's like, you know, those kinds of living situations where as a young person, you just are just like, well, I guess, you know, this is what you have to do to live by yourself. And I mean, it's easy to think of Johan as being older the way he treats Danielle, but he's quite a bit younger than her. Yeah, and I think the apartment was one thing, but also, like, I strapped the luggage on. She yelled at me about that. I brought a car. She yelled at me about that. I wanted to drive. She yelled at me about that. I got the apartment. She yelled at me about that. Like, he, the, literally nothing he does that Back she doesn't yell at him about. the luggage, though. That was awful. Like, that could have just slipped out of the back or the front if you, like, broke It did hard. seem like you have to have a back stop. The, the wind is going to push it back. You know, right. But, but, um, but, I mean, but I was a... I wasn't very well. I know this is the car he always gets when he picks me up at the airport. Yeah, I, I mean that was that her was bad. Bringing, she she and I didn't tell him I brought any luggage, but he should have just ascertained that I would obviously have more luggage and get a van. Where's he getting the van? Right, I don't she, know where he's getting the van either. Though she admitted, she was like, "Oh well, I didn't really tell him I was going to have ten suitcases." So it's like, yeah, well, you got to take your part in the blame here. No, but that's, not, that's what annoyed me about her yeah. is she admitted that she didn't tell him. But then proceeded to say, but he still should have had a van. Yeah, right. He should have known that I was going to have more luggage, even though I didn't tell him. Like, and that's the kind of stuff that she does that that does annoy me is a lot of times she'll be like, well, yeah, I maybe I didn't do my part, but he still should have done exactly what I would have done. Yeah. And it's like, no, you don't get to say the butt part. Like, no, if you didn't tell him you didn't have the luggage, then you can't be mad that he doesn't have a car if it doesn't have enough luggage. Especially when you're like, this is the car he always brings. We have a routine. Yeah. I've visited here many, many times. This is always the car he has. Right, right. Uh, well, we saw everyone. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Okay. So out of this group, uh, who was your student of the week? Um, I, I'll go with Gabe just because this that is – a really hard thing to come out and, and do, mm-hmm. right? And we'll see how it we'll see how it shakes down next time. But especially especially with this one, when the uh, the stakes for him and his relationship really couldn't be higher, mm-hmm. um, and it wasn't like he didn't do that. Well, I have to just wait for the right time to let the <laughs> secret fly. He was just like, no, tomorrow we're doing it. I yeah. got it. Yeah, good for him. Uh, I actually went with <laughs> Rishi. Um, now, I'm not saying anything about, you know, what he is going to actually do in the future. But I think if your goal is to reassure your partner, um, he did everything that he could to reassure her, you know, before okay. she left. Uh, he gave her a ring, right? So he also told her that he would, you know, contact her every day, no matter the time of day, you know, and did things to reassure her about his commitment in this relationship. Now, I don't know if he's going to follow through with any of these things, but at least for the present, he did everything that he could do. True. All right. What about so, your dance? Um, so I went back and forth about which one of these two idiots to choose. But at the end of the day, I went with Mahmoud instead yes, of Nicole. Yes, I did too. I, I could have gone either way on that one. But the the repeatedly grabbing her by the wrist and yanking her around, mm-hmm. like even though she kind of like pushed at him, I'm like, no, you can't chase someone down the street and grab them by the wrist and right. yank them around. That's not acceptable. What – put it over the edge for me with Mahmoud was um, his ultimatum at the end, right? Oh. Mm. Get in the car, get divorced, right? And it's just right. like, she didn't want either of those options. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to put words in her mouth, but she didn't want to commit to a divorce, but she also didn't want to get in the car. So it's like to put those two options by her not making a decision at all, you've already forced her into an option that maybe you'll both regret. 
I'm not saying they mm-hmm. would because I think it's for the best for no, them. The but divorce, they absolutely should get divorced. One hundred percent. Yes. But at the same time, it's <laughs> like you've set it up in a way where you're forcing a decision that I don't know if you're really ready to commit to at this moment. Hmm. Yeah. All right. What about your life lesson? Uh, I mean, it takes longer than two days to move your entire life. Like, and there needs to be more for planning about like how you're going to get all the stuff and what stuff is going to come and what stuff isn't going to come to like your new home. Like the fact that she was in there for like two days, be it, like I have to leave in two days and I'm deciding what I'm going to pack in my 10 suitcases that I'm taking with me on the airplane. Yeah. This is like, there has got to be a better way to do this. Oh yeah, for sure. Well, I can tell you like when I moved to DC for a year, um, you know, I was keeping a storage unit and I, my place was furnished, but what I, and it took me two months, I would say, but I yeah. wasn't stressed at all. What I did was I committed to a box a day, you know, whether it was going to my storage unit or packing it up, you know, it was like a box a day. Cause I had to move out of my place. And it was like, it was very unstressful. And I, I think that's like the best way, right? Commit to doing a little bit at a time. So you're not like two days fully, you know, functioning oh, apartment. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is that the thing is you can't, yeah, you shouldn't have that. There should no point have everything unpacked out of your things yeah. just all over your floor. Like, right. oh, you need to take your dishes. You take your dishes out of a thing. You put it in a box. You take that box somewhere. Yeah. Like, like we're done. There, 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 nothing gets unpacked we don't just pull everything out of all the storage areas and pile it on our floor it's just like oh my god that's right. i mean just looking at that apartment i understand why she was stressed yeah and i was like that's well, overwhelming. you should have done this then you should have done this a a, a different a better way then right yeah and she does uh, to be fair she does she does uh blame her add oh gosh well, that's what I'm saying. Like Just do one box today. Super done. not stressful. Now it is. It was a little tricky because it's like you got to pack up something, and you'd be like, uh, a month later, I was like, wait, I think that's packed up. Crap, oh, it's already packed up. Yeah. <laughs> now I've only done the other thing because I've, 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 you know, I haven't done the the cross country thing. Now I know people who have, and that was like, you kind of did like the st- the storage pods are really big. Yeah. Right. You get the pods and you put them in your driveway, and then they deliver them to your new driveway. Yeah. And then you can unpack it there. Oh, mine um, was a nightmare. I did Greyhound because I was trying to be real cheap about it. So I got stuff shipped uh, over. And I will tell you that Greyhound is very, very cheap. I think I managed to move, I think, like 10 big boxes, probably kind of the equivalent of what Danielle did. And I think uh-huh. it cost me maybe, well, it didn't cost me. I got reimbursed by the company. Uh, it cost me about $250 to ship everything. But the problem with Greyhound is they don't have a very good tracking system. And Ooh. so there was a storm down in Texas and that like basically rerouted two of my 10 boxes. So I got two of my boxes like weeks after they were supposed to be delivered and they could not tell me any information about it because uh, there's no tracking information on. So on the way back, when I moved back to California, I was like FedEx, (laughs) FedExing (laughs) everything where there is very accurate tracking information. Yeah. But that also cost me like, I think 1800 on the way back. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. But yeah. I mean, obviously, you can't do like I've 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 shipped things uh, freight across the country, like furniture and stuff. Yeah, where it's like I had to go, you know, somewhere, load it into a, a semi. Oh yeah, and then the come freight. back and then unload it onto a freight. Like, when I've I was done living in DC, that wasn't even an option. They told me straight up, they were like, "You can't get a freight truck down this street." Well, no, you can't. No, no, no. I yeah. no. When I do, when I've done freight. Yeah. It was – I still had to, in my new location, had to drive a car, a, drive yeah. a truck to the freight depot to get the stuff. Oh, OK. All right. Uh, so my life lesson uh, actually had to do with Johan. Um, I kind of questioned the safety of his driving after Danielle kind of shed some light into his driving history of one year at accident. One year, and a ticket. yes, with an accident and a ticket. Yes, that right. is um, not great. <laughs> so when it comes to safety, pride should not be a factor. 
Um, you shouldn't. Yeah, but put, what about penises? What's that? Are penises a factor? Because uh, he seems to think no, that is a factor. I'm gonna lump <laughs> penises with pride. <laughs> I'm gonna say both of those things should not be a factor when safety is the issue. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. So uh, we're continuing on. I was actually pleasantly surprised. I wouldn't say that this was the most exciting episode, but it also wasn't the most boring. You really had me concerned about this episode after. Oh, that's right. After they did the mid season, the mid season. uh, Yeah. yeah. Coming up the season on. Yes. Right. Right. But uh, it was okay. Um, They're still going forward. I would say that. Everybody's storyline is still interesting enough, except for Nicole and Mahmoud. And I would be fine if they were divorced and done with the show. Yes, I would be totally fine with that, too. Yeah. We don't need any more of them fighting over bathing suits. Right. All right. So until next week. All right. See everybody then. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.